After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fifth, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Asri Al-Aziz stated, The first companion who shall be mentioned today is Hazrat Awf bin Haris bin Rifa' Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. According to various narrations, his name has been recorded as Awf bin Afra, Awf bin Haris and Oz bin Afra. Afra was the name of his mother and Hazrat Awf bin Haris bin Rifa Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu belonged to the Ansar tribe of the Banu Najjar. Hazrat Muaz and Hazrat Muawiz radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma were Hazrat Awf radiyallahu ta'ala anhu's brothers. Hazrat Awf was among those six men from among the Ansar who were first to come to Mecca and do the bath, i.e. pledge initiation. He also took part in the bath at Aqba and after he accepted Islam, he broke the idols of Banu Malik bin Najjar along with Hazrat Asad bin Zurara and Hazrat Ammara bin Hazm. On the day of the Battle of Badr, Hazrat Awf bin Afra asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the midst of the battle, that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, at which deed of his servant is Allah the Exalted most delighted. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, when his servant is engaged in battle and fearlessly fighting without his armour. In other words, if he is in battle, he should be fearless. Upon this, Hazrat Awf bin Afra took off his armour, went forth and started fighting until he was martyred. Abu Jahl martyred Awf bin Haris and his brother Hazrat Muawiz during the Battle of Badr. The names of those individuals who attacked Abu Jahl during the Battle of Badr are mentioned in the Hadith and in the books of history and Awf bin Afra is mentioned among them as well and this has previously been mentioned as well. In Sunan Abi Daud it is mentioned that his name was Awf bin Haris and he was generally known by these two names. In any case, Hazrat Awf bin Afra anhu was among those who killed Abu Jahl and he also attained martyrdom during the Battle of Badr. 
The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari's name was Hazrat Khalid and his father was Zaid bin Kuleb. He is known by his name as well as his title. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu belonged to the Banu Najjar branch of the Ansar tribe of Khazraj. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was blessed with the opportunity to do the bad on the occasion of the second pledge at Aqba, along with 70 other companions. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari's mother's name was Hind bint Sayyid, whereas according to another narration, her name was Zahra bint Saad. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari's wife was Hazrat Umm Hassan bint Zaid, who bore a son by the name Abdul Rahman. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, formed a bond of brotherhood, Aymuakhat, between Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari and Hazrat Musa bin Umar. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, migrated to Medina, he stayed with Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari until the construction of Masjid al-Nabwi and his house. In Sirat Khatam al-Nabiyyin, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib ta'ala anhu has mentioned the following in relation to the Holy Prophet's stay at the house of Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari. He writes, When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, reached the Banu Najjar, the question once again posed itself as to which person the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would stay with. Every individual of the tribe was desirous that he be the one to receive this honour. As a matter of fact, in the fervour of their love, some would even take hold of the reins of the camel belonging to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon seeing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Leave my camel, for at this time it has been divinely inspired. In other words, wherever Allah so desired, it would sit down itself. And upon saying this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also released its reins. The camel gracefully advanced and sat down when it reached the place where later the Masjid al-Nabwi and the living quarters of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, were built. At the time, this was an uncultivated plot of land, which was the property of two children from Medina. Immediately, however, it stood up and began to move forward. But after a few steps, it once again returned to its initial place of resting and sat down. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated, that it seems as if the will of Allah desires that this be our place of residence. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, supplicated to Allah and dismounted from his camel. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then inquired as to whose home was closest from that place. Abu Ayyub Ansari rushed forward and said, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it is mine and this is the entrance to my home. You are most welcome. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, All right, then go and prepare a place for me to stay. Abu Ayyub Ansari immediately prepared his home and returned. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, proceeded inside along with him. This was a two-story home, and Abu Ayyub desired that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stay on the top floor. However, taking into consideration the ease of those people who would come to visit, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, preferred the ground floor and resided there. At nightfall, Abu Ayyub and his wife could not sleep all night in the thought that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was beneath them and they were above him. In addition to this, it so happened that during the night, a pail of water broke on the roof. In his fear, Abu Ayyub quickly placed his quilt over the water to dry it in order to prevent even a single droplet of water from seeping through to the ground floor. 
In the morning, Abu Ayyub Ansari presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and implored the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to stay on the top floor. At first, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, hesitated, but upon witnessing the insistence of Abu Ayyub Ansari, he agreed. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stayed in this home for seven months, who according to Ibn Ishaq, he remained here until the month of Safar, second Hijri. In other words, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained here until the construction of masjid e nabwi and the adjacent living quarters of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Abu Ayyub would present food to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then whatever would remain of it, he would eat it himself. Due to his love and sincerity, he would eat from where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had taken his food. Other companions would also present food to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Muslim Aud has also narrated this incident. At times there are certain additional details mentioned which have not been heard before. Therefore I shall quote the incident in his words as well. Although the incident is more or less the same, however, Hazrat Muslim Aud has his own unique style of narrating them. He writes that while the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was in Medina, everybody longed to have the honour of being his host. As his camel passed through the streets, Families would line up to receive the Messenger of Allah and with one voice they would say, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Here we are with our homes, our property and our lives to receive you and to offer our protection to you. O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Come and live with us. Many would show greater zeal and would go forward and hold the reins of the camel and insists on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, dismounting in front of their doors and entering their houses. But politely the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would refuse, saying, Leave my camel alone, for she is under the command of God, and she will stop where God wants her to stop. Ultimately, he stopped on a site which belonged to orphans of the Banu Najjar tribe. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, dismounted and said, It seems that this is where God wants us to stop. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, inquired as to who the land belonged to. The guardian of the orphans came forward and informed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then offered the site for the use of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that he would not accept the offer unless he were allowed to pay. A price was settled and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, decided to build a mosque and some houses on it. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked who lived nearest to the site. Abu Ayyub Ansari came forward and said that his house was the nearest and that his services were at the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's disposal. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked him to prepare a room in his house for him. Abu Ayyub's house was double-storied and he offered to let the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, have the upper story. But the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, preferred to have the lower story for the convenience of his visitors. Hazrat Muslim Aud further writes that the devotion which the people of Medina had for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, showed itself once again. Although Abu Ayyub agreed to let the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, have the lower story, but he and his wife were unable to sleep the entire night in the thought that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was residing beneath them. 
He and his wife thought it discourteous to do so. This was an expression of their deep love. In the night, a pail of water was accidentally broken and water flowed on the floor. Abu Ayyub, fearing lest some water should drip through to the room occupied by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took his quilt and with it dried up the water before any could drip through. In the morning, he presented himself before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and narrated the events of the night before. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, agreed to occupy the upper story. Abu Ayyub Ansari would prepare the meals daily and present it to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he and his family would then eat whatever remained from it. After a few days, the other members of the Ansar insisted in having a share in serving the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And until the Holy Prophet settled in his own house and made his own arrangements, the Muslims of Medina would take turns in presenting their services to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The reference from an introduction to the study of the Holy Quran by Hazrat Muslim anhu is complete. And now the following is a hadith narrated by Hazrat Abu Ayyub anhu. Hazrat Abu Ayyub anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came to his home. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stayed on the lower story of the house, whilst Hazrat Abu Ayyub was staying on the upper story. The narrator states, that one night Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu woke up and said that they were walking above the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and thus moved to one side and spent the entire night in a corner. Later, when he expressed this to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied by saying that it was easier for him to remain on the lower floor. However, Hazrat Abu Ayyub said that he could not reside on the upper level while the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, resided beneath it. Thus, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, moved to the upper level and Hazrat Abu Ayyub came down to the lower story of the house. Hazrat Abu Ayyub would prepare food for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and when whatever remained from the food would be brought back to him, he would inquire from the person who brought it back as to where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's fingers, had touched the food. And Hazrat Abu Ayyub would touch the same places, meaning he ate from the exact place where the Holy Prophet had eaten from. Once he prepared food for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which contained some garlic. When the food was brought back, he inquired once again as to where the Holy Prophet had eaten from. But when he was informed that the Holy Prophet had not eaten that day, Hazrat Abu Ayyub became worried and went upstairs to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to ask whether garlic was haram, i.e. forbidden. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that no, but I personally dislike it. Hearing this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari said, that if you dislike something, then I dislike it as well. Or he said that if you do not like something, then I will not like it either. The narrator says, as recorded in Sahih Muslim, that angels would visit the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, meaning he would receive revelation for which angels would come to him. And it was due to this that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, disliked anything with an unpleasant odour. However, he did not say it was forbidden, i.e. haram. Another narration from Sahih Muslim is also recorded as such. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari narrates that when food would be presented to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would eat from it and would send whatever was left to me. One day, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent back the food from which he had not eaten at all because it contained garlic. I asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whether this was haram, i.e. forbidden, to which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that no, but I do not like it due to its smell. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari said that I also dislike that which you dislike. 
There is another narration from Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal in which the same incident has been recorded in the following manner. Abu Ayyub Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stayed on the lower story of our home while I was residing on the upper level. Once some water spilled on the upper level and so I along with Umm Ayyub began drying the water with a sheet of cloth for fear that lest some water drips onto the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Then, I nervously went before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it feels inappropriate for us to be residing above you. I request that you move to the upper level. Thus, upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his belongings, which comprised of very little, were moved to the upper level. I then submitted, O Messenger of Allah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Whenever you sent some of your food back to me, I would find the imprints of your fingers and would place my hand on the very same place. However, today, when you sent some food back to me, I did not find the imprints of your fingers. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, that you are right. Actually, it contained onions. Here, onions have been mentioned instead of garlic. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continued that I do not wish to eat it due to the fact that there is an angel who comes to visit me. However, you may eat it. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu had the honor of accompanying the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in all the battles, including the Battle of Badr, Uhud and Khandar. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu relates that on the day of Badr, the Muslims were arranging themselves in rows when some people moved ahead of the row. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, looked at them and said, that remain with me, remain with me, meaning they should remain behind him and not move ahead of him. Then there is a narration in regards to the night following the marriage of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, with Hazrat Safiya. And although I have mentioned this before, when I briefly made mention of him, however I shall mention it again, at night, after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's marriage with Hazrat Safiya, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari stood guard outside the tent with his unsheathed sword and remained on guard for the entire night, circling all four sides of the tent. In the morning, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw Hazrat Abu Ayyub outside the tent, he asked him, that, O Abu Ayyub, what is the matter? He replied, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I fear this woman may harm you. For her father, husband and the people of her nation have been killed and she has only recently become a believer. Thus, I stood guard the entire night for the sake of your security. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, prayed for Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari that, O Allah, protect Abu Ayyub just as he spent the entire night for the sake of my protection. Imam Suheli states that as a result of this prayer offered by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Allah the Almighty protected Hazrat Abu Ayyub to the extent that the Romans used to safeguard his grave and would pray by his graveside for water, as a result of which it would rain upon them. Hazrat Mahmud states that he heard from Hazrat Itban bin Malik Ansari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu who was among those who were present alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during the Battle of Badr, that I used to lead my tribe, Banu Salim, in prayer. And along the way to the mosque, however, there was a small stream which would become difficult for me to cross when it rained. 
He further stated, that therefore I went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and submitted that my eyesight has weakened significantly. When it rains heavily, the small stream between my place of residence and the rest of the people becomes flooded and it becomes difficult for me to cross. Thus, it is my wish, O Messenger of Allah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that you come to my home and offer your prayers here, after which I will turn my house into a mosque. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied by saying that he would come. And so the next morning, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu came to my home after sunrise. Upon reaching the door, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, requested permission to enter. I permitted them to enter, and when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, entered the home, he did not sit down. Rather, he asked, Which part of the house do you wish for me to offer prayers? Since he had requested the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to come and offer prayers, the Holy Prophet asked where he wished for him to offer these prayers. And so I pointed to a corner of the house where I wished for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to offer his prayers. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stood up for prayer and said, Allahu Akbar. And we stood behind him, forming a row for the prayers. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led two rakats of prayer and then offered the salam. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said salam, we also said salam. And I then requested the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to stay a little longer to eat khazira, which is a dish prepared from meat and flour which was still being prepared at the time. Some other residents of the area had heard that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was visiting my home, and so they came running and eventually many people had gathered in my home. One of them said that where is Malik? I do not see him. And another person replied that he is a hypocrite. He was asking regarding the whereabouts of another companion, and another person responded by saying, that he is a hypocrite and has no love for Allah nor his messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which is why he did not come. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that do not say this. Do you not see that he professes the Islamic creed of La ilaha illallah, that there is none worthy of worship except Allah in the hope of attaining the pleasure of God? The one who said the aforementioned statement then said, that God and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa know best. And he added, However, we only see him having ties and talking to the hypocrites. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that hell has been forbidden on the one who declares that there is none worthy of worship except Allah in a manner whereby they seek the pleasure of Allah. Hazrat Mahmud bin Rabi narrates that I mentioned this saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to a few other people, including Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari, a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. At the time, Hazrat Abu Ayyub was taking part in the battle against the Byzantine forces under the command of Yazid bin Muawiyah, and he died during this battle. Hazrat Abu Ayyub dismissed what I had said, stating that by God I cannot accept that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would have ever stated what you have just narrated, i.e. the narration that hell would be forbidden on the one who simply declares there is none worthy of worship except Allah. Nonetheless, he further narrates that I was greatly perturbed by this matter and became anxious. I made a vow to Allah the Almighty that if he enabled me to return safely from this battle, I would go and inquire about this matter from Hazrat Itban bin Malik, so long as he is alive when I go to visit the mosque of his tribe. Thus I returned and entered into a state of ihram for Umrah or Hajj, and I left and on the way came to the part of Medina where the Banu Salim resided. I went to Hazrat Itban, who had become very frail and his vision had deteriorated, and he was leading his people in prayer. 
When he said salam to indicate the end of prayer, I offered him the greetings of peace and introduced myself to him. I then asked him concerning the matter and he narrated the exact same incident he had mentioned previously to me. In other words, that he had indeed heard the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him say that hell would be forbidden for the one who declared La ilaha illallah, that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. However, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari did not accept this narration. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has also written his opinion on this matter. In the hadith, it states that Man qala la ilaha illallahu yabdaghi bizalika wajhallahi. In relation to this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has quoted the entire hadith. However, I shall read the translation, which will shed further light on this matter. He writes, Then Mahmud bin Rabi narrates that I heard from Itban bin Malik that the Prophet of Allah وسلم, said that Allah the Exalted has prohibited the fire of hell upon all those who in full sincerity and to seek the pleasure of God alone declare that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. Mahmud added that I told the above narration to some people in a gathering where Abu Ayyub was also present and Abu Ayyub denounced the narration and said that by God I cannot at all presume that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him might have said so. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib then further writes that in this hadith Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari refused to accept a narration on the basis of dirayat though it seemed authentic with reference to rivayat i.e. based on the principles of hadith related to the chain of narrators. Hazrat Abu Ayyub refused to accept the narration based upon the principles he deemed to be correct. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib ta'ala further writes that it is quite possible that the argumentation and rationalization of Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari is incorrect. But nonetheless, this hadith is a proof of the fact that the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not blindly accept every hadith that reached them. Quite the contrary, they would accept a hadith only after a thorough investigation whilst utilizing both the principles of rivayat and dirayat. In other words, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib proves from this that the companions did not just blindly accept every hadith, rather they would carefully ponder over it and study it. Under the commentary of this hadith from Sahih Bukhari, Hazrat Sayyid Waliullah Shah Sahib has written that when Hazrat Abu Ayyub heard this narration from Mahmud bin Rabi, he refused to accept it. Some are of the opinion that the reason he questioned this narration was because he believed that simply declaring there is none worthy of worship except Allah, la ilaha illallah, will not safeguard one from the hellfire unless one also performs virtuous deeds alongside it. This is an established Islamic principle. And indeed, this is correct. But then Shah Sahib further writes, However, the clause, He clarifies the meaning of this declaration of faith, i.e. the one who declares there is none worthy of worship except Allah, with full sincerity and seeking the pleasure of Allah, hell has been forbidden upon such a person. Shah Sahib further writes, that Hazrat Mahmud inquired again thinking that perhaps he was unable to memorize and recall some of the words correctly. 
However, after investigating, he discovered that everything mentioned in that narration was indeed correct. Shah Sahib then further writes, It is inappropriate to pass judgment in relation to a person's faith or to call someone a hypocrite openly before others. In other words, it is wrong to call someone a hypocrite or tell them that they are weak of faith before others. Because in this narration, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was displeased by the same criticism of Ibn Dukshram's character. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, disproved of it being publicly announced. Instead of leading to reformation, this form of criticism leads to evil and discord. In one narration, it is mentioned that when they were at Abwa, a disagreement arose between Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas and Hazrat Miswar bin Makhrma regarding the ghusl, i.e. washing or bathing. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas stated that a muhrim, i.e. one who is in a state of ihram, can wash their head, whereas Hazrat Miswar stated that a muhrim cannot wash their head. The narrator states that Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas sent me to Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari, and I noticed that he was bathing between two wooden poles, which had a covering around it. I went to him and offered the greetings of peace, and he inquired who it was, and I replied that I am Abdullah bin Hunayn, and that Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas had sent me to inquire from you as to how the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to wash his head when he was in a state of ihram, because it was said that one should not wash their head in a state of ihram. Hazrat Abu Ayyub placed his hand on the cloth covering and lowered it enough so that I was able to see his head. In other words, he lowered the screen that was used as a covering and showed me his head and instructed the one who was pouring water over him to pour the water. And so he poured water over Hazrat Abu Ayyub head and he passed both his hands over his head. In other words, he moved them from the front all the way to the back of the head and stated that I have seen the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, do this. In other words, to wash the head in a way that he would pass his hands over his head and then back. Hazrat Sayyid bin Musayyib narrates, On one occasion, Hazrat Abu Ayyub saw a piece of straw or something similar in the beard of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and removed it. He then showed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, what it was. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that may Allah remove from Abu Ayyub that which displeases him. And in a different narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, O Abu Ayyub, may your difficulties be removed. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was at the front line of Hazrat Ali's army during the battles of Jamal, Safin and Naharwan. And one can gauge the level of trust Hazrat Ali had in Hazrat Abu Ayyub from the fact that when Hazrat Ali declared Kufa to be the capital of the Muslim empire and moved there, he appointed Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu as the governor of Medina. And Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari remained the governor of Medina until 40 Hijri when the Syrian army of Amir Muawiyah under the command of Yusr bin Abi Arta invaded Medina. Owing to this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari left Medina to be with Hazrat Ali anhu in Kufa. After the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would be given a monthly stipend from the Khalifa. Initially, Hazrat Abu Ayyub's stipend was 4,000, but during the Khilafat of Hazrat Ali, anhu, it was increased to 20,000. And initially, eight workers were assigned to cultivate the land belonging to Hazrat Abu Ayyub, but Hazrat Ali anhu, increased this to 40. 
Hazrat Habib bin Abi Sabit narrates that Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari once came to Amir Muawiyah and complained about an outstanding debt. Amir Muawiyah took no notice of what pleased Hazrat Abu Ayyub but instead turned his attention to what displeased him. In other words, he overlooked Hazrat Abu Ayyub predicament and instead turned his attention to what had displeased him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari said that I heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say that later on you will see a change in priorities, meaning that priorities will change. Upon this, Amir Muawiyah stated that what did the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, command you to do in such circumstances? Hazrat Abu Ayyub replied that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed us to demonstrate patience i.e. when the priorities change and their requests are not heard, then they ought to demonstrate patience. Upon this, Amir Muawiyah stated that then you ought to show patience. If the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has instructed to demonstrate patience, then you should be patient. Hazrat Abu Ayyub then stated that by Allah, I will never make any request from you in the future. Hazrat Abu Ayyub then moved to Basra and stayed with Hazrat ibn Abbas. Hazrat ibn Abbas emptied his house for him and said to him, that most certainly I will extend the same hospitality to you as you extended to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat ibn Abbas then instructed his family to leave and said to Hazrat Abu Ayyub that whatever is in the house belongs to you. He also gave him 40,000 dirhams and 20 servants. In other words, Hazrat ibn Abbas made other arrangements for himself and not only gave him 40,000 dirhams but also 20 servants. In the commentary of the verse وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّحْلُكَ وَأَحْسِنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ That is, and spend for the cause of Allah and cast not yourselves into ruin with your own hands. And do good, surely Allah loves those who do good. In relation to this verse, Hazrat Muslim anhu has stated that people have erred greatly in their understanding of this verse. That is, وَأَنْفِقُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا تُلْقُوا بِأَيْدِيكُمْ إِلَى التَّحْلُكَ وَأَحْسِنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Hazrat Muslim anhu states that from this they infer that whenever they are faced with a difficulty in the way of Allah, they immediately say that this is akin to ruining oneself with one's own hands. They claim that since Allah the Almighty Himself has stated, and cast not yourselves into ruin with your own hands, therefore they are unable to partake in such matters. However, as the Muslim states that this verse does not mean that whenever a Muslim is faced with a trial from Allah the Almighty, whereby his life is under threat, he ought to run away from it and show cowardice. In actuality, the meaning of this verse is that when there is war against the enemy, one ought to readily spend one's wealth in the cause. If one does not spend their wealth, it will be akin to ruining oneself with their own hands. A narration is found in the Hadith in which Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari said, when he had gone to conquer Constantinople, that this verse was revealed regarding us, the Ansar. He then further stated that initially we would spend our wealth in the way of Allah, but when Allah the Almighty established His religion, and honoured it by granting Muslims victory. We stated that it will be better if we safeguard our wealth and save it. 
At that time, this verse was revealed that one should not hold back in spending in the way of Allah the Almighty, for if one does, then it will be akin to casting oneself to ruin. Therefore, you ought not to accumulate wealth, rather spend it in the way of Allah the Almighty. Otherwise, your lives will go in vain and the enemy will overcome you and you will be completely destroyed. After Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala when the era of Amir Muawiyah's rule started, Uqba bin Amir Johani was appointed by him as the governor of Syria. During Hazrat Uqba's rule as governor, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu ta'ala twice had the opportunity to travel to Syria. The first time was for the purpose of recording a hadith, as he had come to know that Hazrat Uqba used to relate a particular hadith. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu ta'ala endured the hardship of travels in his advanced years for just one hadith. And the second time he travelled to Syria was with the intention to take part in the battle against the Byzantines. When Marwan was serving as the governor of Medina, he once saw that someone had placed his face on the grave of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, Marwan observed, that do you know what you are doing? This is shirk, are you associating partners with Allah, for you are prostrating before it. When Marwan came a little closer, he saw that it was Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and he replied, that I have come to visit the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and not these stones. Abu Abdurrahman Hubli narrates that they were travelling by sea and Abdullah bin Qas Fazari was appointed as the Amir and Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was also with them. When Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari walked past the individual who was responsible for distributing the spoils of battle, just to clarify the aforementioned incident, is that what he meant by this was that he had prostrated out of his deep love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he was not prostrating to the stones. He was not committing any shirk, are you associating any partners with Allah? Rather, it was an expression of his love and even whilst doing this, he had the belief in the oneness of God and there was no aspect of shirk. In any case, Abu Abdul Rahman Hubli narrates that they were travelling by sea and Abdullah bin Qais Fazari was appointed as their Amir and Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was also with them. When Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari walked past the individual who was responsible for distributing the spoils of battle and was overseeing the prisoners, he noticed that a lady was crying. Upon inquiring what had happened to her, he was informed by the people that the lady and her son had been separated. The narrator of the tradition states that Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari took hold of the child's hand and placed it in the hand of his mother. Following this, the individual who was responsible for distributing the spoils of battle went to Abdullah bin Qais and informed him of what had just happened. Abdullah bin Qais called for Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari and asked why he acted in this manner. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub replied, that I heard the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say, the one who causes a mother and a son to be distant from one another, Allah the Almighty will cause such a person to be distanced from his loved ones on the Day of Judgment. Hence, there is an important lesson for those people who separate the children from their mothers. Islam shows great compassion in such matters. However, those who level allegations against Islam, they ought to look at their own actions. Recently, it was reported that the migrants who had arrived in the USA were separated from one another and the children were also separated from their mothers. And in some cases, the children could not even recognize their mothers after some time. But in any case, Islam's teachings are so detailed that it even states that a child should not be separated from its mother and not to cause them distress on account of this.
Hazrat Marsad bin Abdullah narrates that when Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu came to us to take part in jihad, Hazrat Uqba bin Amir was the governor of Syria at the time. One day, he offered the Maghrib prayer slightly later than its prescribed time. And upon this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari went to him and said, O Uqba, what kind of prayer is this? Hazrat Uqba replied that he was preoccupied in something. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Ayyub replied, that I swear by Allah, my only intention in saying this is so that people do not think that you saw the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam doing this. Have you not heard the Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say, that my Ummah will remain established on virtue, or perhaps he said that it will remain established on its fitrah, a pure disposition, for as long as it does not delay offering the Maghrib prayer to the extent that the stars begin to shine. Thus, one ought to offer the Maghrib prayer in the earlier part of its prescribed time. Abu Vasil narrates that I once met Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari and shook his hand and noticing that my nails were long. He said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once stated that there are some among you who ask about heavenly matters and yet their nails are so long like the claws of a pigeon that impurity and filth begins to gather in it. In other words, they would ask highly intellectual questions and yet their condition was such that their nails were so long. Since filth begins to gather in them, therefore one should cut their nails. According to Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal, Hazrat Abu Ayyub anhu had such a lofty status that the companion would seek solution to various matters from him. Hazrat Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, Bara bin Azib, Anas bin Malik, Abu Umama, Zaid bin Khalid Johni, Miqdam bin Mahdi, Karib, Jabir bin Sumra, Abdullah bin Yazid Khatmi, etc. who had all directly received training from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him would benefit from the knowledge of Hazrat Abu Ayyub. Similarly, among the Tabi'een, those who had met the companions, which included prominent individuals like Sayyid bin Musayyab, Urwa bin Zubair, Salim bin Abdullah, Ata bin Yasar, Ata bin Yazid Laisi, Abu Salama and Abdul Rahman bin Abi Layla, etc., all held Hazrat Abu Ayyub in high esteem. It has been related from Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari that he left to take part in jihad during the rule of Amir Muawiyah, and he states that I became severely ill and told my fellow companions that if I pass away, then carry me until you are stood in your rows to fight the enemy and bury me in the ground below you. I shall share a hadith with you which I heard from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If my demise was not imminent, I would never have related it. I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say that whoever dies in a state whereby they never committed any shirk are you associating partners with Allah they shall enter paradise. In another narration it states that nearer to the time of his demise, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari stated that I have kept hidden something from you which I had heard from the Messenger of Allah The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, If you did not commit sin, then Allah the Most Exalted would have brought about a people who would have committed sin and Allah would then grant them his forgiveness. In other words, this is the extent to which Allah the Almighty manifests His attribute of mercy and forgiveness. The narrator Muhammad relates that Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu took part in the Battle of Badr and was never absent from any of the battles in which the Muslims fought, except if he were engaged in another battle that was occurring at the same time. 
In other words, if two battles were taking place at one time, he would certainly be present in one of them. It was only one year that he did not take part in battle because the commander who was appointed over the army was very young and so that year he sat out from taking part in any battle. After that year, he would always express his regret by saying, What concern was it of mine as to who was appointed over me? What concern was it of mine as to who was appointed over me? What concern was it of mine as to who was appointed over me? He repeated this three times. It is narrated that the youth who was appointed to take command of the army was Abdul Malik bin Marwan. The narrator further states that Hazrat Abu Ayyub fell ill and at the time Yazid bin Muawiyah was the commander of the army. He came to visit Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari and asked if there was anything he required. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari replied, And my only desire is that if I pass away, then carry me to the land of the enemy as far as you possibly can, and when you can no longer carry me, then bury me there in return. When Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari passed away, he placed him on a mount, and as far as it was possible for him, he took him into the enemy's land and buried him, and then returned. The narrator further relates that Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari used to say that Allah the Almighty states, Go forth light and heavy, and I find myself both light and heavy. It is mentioned in a narration of a resident of Makkah that when Yazid bin Muawiyah went to Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari he told him to convey his salam and farewell to the people and that they should take him as far as they can go. Yazid therefore informed the people of everything Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari said to him. And so the people accepted this and carried his body as far as they possibly could. Even after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari continued to perform jihad up until his demise in Constantinople. It is mentioned in a narration that in 52 Hijri, Yazid bin Muawiyah fought in the Battle of Constantinople during the rule of his father, Amir Muawiyah, and in the same year, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari passed away. Yazid bin Muawiyah led his funeral prayer, and his grave is by a fortress in Constantinople. The narrator states that he learned that the Romans protect his grave and maintain it, and through him they seek water during the days of drought. According to another narration, during the rule of Amir Muawiyah, Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari fought in the battle against the Byzantine government under the command of Yazid, and he passed away and was buried near the city of Constantinople in 50 Hijri or 51 Hijri. According to another narration, Yazid ordered his cavalry to run back and forth over the grave of Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari until there remained no sign of it. It is also mentioned that the night Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was buried, the next morning the Romans inquired of the Muslims as to what they were doing at night. The Muslims replied by saying that Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari was among the revered companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and had accepted Islam before any of us. We buried him as you can see, and by God if his grave is dug up, then as long as we have authority, your bell shall not ring in the Arab lands. Mujahid states that whenever a drought would befall them, 
they would move some dirt of the grave of Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari and raid would begin to fall. This narration has also been recorded, but Allah knows best how accurate it is. Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu passed away during the Battle of Constantinople in 50 Hijri, 51 Hijri or 52 Hijri, but the majority are of the opinion that it was in 52 Hijri. The grave of Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari anhu is in the city of Istanbul, Turkey, and the grave is in a terrace which is closed off by a brass grid door, and many people in Turkey visit this for the purpose of seeking comfort and peace. Now the mention of Badri companions has come to an end, but I shall mention the accounts of the four Khulafa, inshallah. There has been brief mention of some of them, but I shall mention them in detail. Similarly, in the beginning, some companions were mentioned briefly, so if further information about them is obtained, I shall also narrate that as well. And later, when their details are compiled, they can be added to it. But there are only a few. Now I wish to mention some deceased members who passed away recently and I shall also lead their funeral prayers after the Friday prayer. The first is Abdul Hay Mandal Sahib, a Muallim in India. He passed away at the age of 53 on 25th September 2020 due to a heart attack. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. To Allah we belong and to him shall we return. After conducting his own research, he accepted Ahmadiyyat in 1999. And after graduating from Jamiat al-Mubashirin in 2003, he continued to serve the community with great effort, sincerity and passion right up until his demise. In this regard, his service spanned over 17 years. He was extremely sincere, obedient, regular in offering his prayers and a muallim who had great love for the community. He is survived by his wife and two sons and two daughters. May Allah the Almighty grant forgiveness and mercy to the deceased and grant comfort and solace to his wife and children. The next funeral is of Sirajul Islam Sahib, a muallim of Murshidabad in the district of Bengal. He passed away on 14th October 2020 at the age of 60. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. In 2002, muallim Sahib acquired six months of training at Jamiat al-Mubashirin in Qadiyan and continued serving as a part-time muallim until 2020. So in this regard, he served for 18 years. The deceased was extremely sincere, pious, obedient, regular in fasting and offering his prayers and a hard-working muallim who had love for the community. He is survived by his wife and three daughters. The two elder daughters are married and the third is still in education. May Allah the Almighty grant forgiveness and mercy to the deceased and may he grant patience and forbearance to those who he leaves behind and enable them to uphold his good deeds. The third funeral is of Shahid Ahmad Khan Pasha Sahib, the maternal grandson of the Promised Messiah who is also the paternal grandson of Hazrat Nawab Hassan Khan Sahib. He was the son of Hazrat Nawab Abdul Hafiz Begum Sahib and Hazrat Nawab Abdullah Khan Sahib. He passed away in hospital on 26th October at the age of 85. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. Respected Shahid Ahmad Khan Pasha Sahib married twice. His first marriage was to Amtush Shakur Sahib, who is the daughter of Hazrat Khalifa al Masih III, Rahimahullah, in 1962. 
Their nikah was led by Mulana Jalaluddin Sham Saib due to an illness of Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu at the time. He has five children from the first marriage, two sons and three daughters. And his second marriage was in 1977 to Samina Saeed Sahiba, daughter of Saeed Sahib, and he has one son from her who currently resides in the U.S. Although he did not serve in any official capacity, however, he did have the blessed opportunity to travel with Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III rahimahullah on his tours abroad, where he had the chance to render his services. Another excellent quality regarding which his wife has written is that he took great care of the poor and would pay for the needs of the poor. In fact, he even gave a houseway which he had constructed. He would regularly help the poor. May Allah the Almighty grant him forgiveness and mercy. And may Allah the Almighty also enable his children to remain attached to the community and the institution of Khilafat. The next funeral is of Sayyid Masood Ahmed Shah Sahib of Sheffield, UK, who passed away on 8th September due to a heart attack. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The first time Ahmadiyyat was introduced to his family was through his father, Hazrat Sayyid Nazim Hussain Sahib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, who in 1902 took the oath of allegiance at the hands of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, having travelled to Qadian at the age of 20. Sayyid Masood Shah Sahib took a permanent residence in Sheffield after moving to the UK. After the community was established in Sheffield, his house became the first Namaz centre and he served as the Sadr, i.e. the president of the community there until 1970. From 1997 up till his last breath, he served as the Ziafat Secretary. The deceased was good-natured, hospitable, noble, full of passion to serve, compassionate to the poor and a pious, sincere human being. He had unbounded love for Khilafat. His daughter, Dr. Aisha Sahiba, says that he would always strive for us to develop a bond with the community and Khilafat in particular, and he would advise us to go meet the Khalifa after every six months. May Allah the Almighty grant his daughter and his wife patience and forbearance. And may Allah the Almighty grant forgiveness and mercy to Shah Sahib. And may Allah the Almighty enable his daughter and his wife to uphold and continue his good deeds. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, nahmadu wa nastainu wa nastaghfiru wa numinu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'uzu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yadihillahu falamudillahu وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْنُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشَدُ اللَّهَ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشَدُ أَنَّا مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبَادَ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ 